What's up and welcome to the Single Player Experience Podcast, the premier podcast for single player gamers to find out about good single player games to play and talk to some really cool developers about what they've been working on. And we're going to do a little bit of both in this episode because we have a very special guest with us today. If you are an OG listener of the podcast, then you'll recognize him. But if not, let me introduce this man. This guy is incredible. He's one of the first like actual like big name guest that I had on the show. It was it like the reason why I was so hyped to have him back is not only because of his cool personality, not only to hear uh, updates about his game, but it's also a full circle moment for me, if I can be real and honest for, for a little bit, because like you, Alec, were one of the best, like one of my first guests to where I got to talk to a developer about what they were working on. And like, it was one of the moments to where I like, I fell in love with podcasting talking to you. So like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so it's great to have you back on the show. Um, but for everyone else, like, let me introduce Alec Tob, the project manager of Cygnus Studios. We're going to talk all about this game. We're going to talk about what he's been playing lately. Get some of the updates on the all the adventures he's been going through since his f- premiere uh, episode on the Single Player Experience podcast. But in the meanwhile, thank you, Alec, for being on the show. How are you doing today? I am fantastic, and I'm so happy to be back. I mean, I had so much fun last time. I I was actually, because I remember you were saying, oh, yeah, if you want to reach out, be on the show, reach out. And I, this mm-hmm. whole time I've been, I need to reach out. I need to reach out. I want to go back on. <laughs> Man, but, you know, like, I, I thought about you again, because, like, it's a full circle moment. Not only did I want to, like, have you back on the show, because I love talking to you, but, like, Man, I wanted to almost like on the anniversary of when we recorded, like very close to it, it, just get you back on to kind of have that full circle moment. But Alec, let's get an update, you know, for the people who don't know you, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yes. So I am the project manager at Cygnus Studios. Uh, We have been around now. Oh, gosh, we've been making games for about five years. Uh, We released a mobile game back in 2000 or in 2021. And that was Cygnus Racing League. It came out on iOS. And then we sort of did a little bit of a port to PC in 2022, uh, also Cygnus Racing League. And now we're coming back around on yet another Cygnus Racing League, except this one is supposed to be the full alpha release. But honestly, at this point, is becoming its own standalone game uh, <laughs> very soon. So how, how does that feel like to have a project almost like transform before your eyes like this? it's been i'm trying to find the words like it's it's fun to watch the growth that we've experienced from just coming up with concepts five years ago to where it is now um i think it's grown as much as we have as developers like understanding how we are going to build the engine around a game or build the game around the engine or how we build stuff in blender how we do sound design music design like anything that we do has been so informed by how we've gone throughout this whole process that it's just been incredibly reflective almost to go back and go through the entire process of this is where we started and here we are five years later building the same product so it's it's something (laughs) (laughs) that's that's exciting though i mean the the change is good and it sounds like you're you feel like you're heading in the right direction so that's always exciting to see progress you know Yes, I, f- I feel like, especially with your first game, you never really quite know what you're doing, um, especially because, you know, we, 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 we're we all self-taught. I mean, we did go to school for various things, like, you know, my brother, he's gone to school for computer programming, but, you know, a computer programming class doesn't tell you how to build uh, a physics system. So, like, we've had to learn ourselves about how the physics system work, how to interact with the physics system. Like, I went to school for communication, but I didn't go to school for for 3D design. And yeah. here I've been building ships and planets and a whole galaxy uh, over the last five years. So, to, you know, with that first release, you never quite know, whereas now it's like, okay, we know what exactly what we're signing up for in terms of what we're looking at at the design and the design process. Well, that's amazing. So, like, for people who don't know about the game, can you tell us, give us the overview about what, what is Signature League Racing? Yes. So, mm-hmm. 
the whole concept has changed. So initially, the game was about sort of pairing uh, sort of that twisted metal vehicle mm -hmm. combat fill with something like Burnout, where you're going through lap after lap. You're trying to, uh, in the case of our game, you're trying to earn points to complete laps and defeat opponents. Well, as that concept has gone on, and especially with the latest concepts that we've been developing in terms of trying to improve a lot of the gameplay aspects, we kind of realized that the racing hasn't quite meshed as well as some of the new concepts. So like, for example, we've introduced um, a boosting mechanic where uh, we've sort of taken the restraints of physics off so that you can fly around the map. And we've, oh, we have, cool. yeah. So like, we've been having a lot of fun boosting around and then we'll play test with people and they're just boosting across the entire map to the <laughs> point where it's turning the racing lanes and in, into nothing. Mm -hmm. So we kind of made a difficult decision, but a decision that we felt was right, which was to actually remove racing from the m overall uh, main game mode, or at least our 64 player game mode. So now it's just, we've gone back to our roots of our favorite games and we've kind of modeled ourselves off of things like Unreal Tournament, where we're like, all right, let's oh, just keep cool. it to just vehicle combat, put you in a giant arena, stick weapons and power-ups and everything else, sort of spread it out across the map and just let people go off and play within the sandbox themselves. Um, we did eventually sort of come back around to doing sort of a 5v5 mode mm -hmm. where it's, I think I the first time I described it, it was almost like a Quidditch mode. Yeah. And, and we've kind of built off that where we're like, all right, so we have a you have a 5v5 mode where on each team there's a runner and your goal is to make sure that your runner is completing those laps and that's where the racing is now coming from is more of that team-based mode where you know you're sort of trying to protect your runner but at the same time there's a, a sort of a, oh what's the word uh there's an object that you're trying to get and so <laughs> on top of protecting your runner you kind of have your golden snitch object where okay if i get that the guy gives our point that gives our team extra points as well as helping our runner complete the laps oh that's really cool almost yeah. like what is it like a roller derby kind of aspect where like almost like they're yep. the defensive players yep. and one player is the one who scores yeah that's exactly. really exactly cool. and we used to when we first were playing around with the idea we were thinking about more rigid roles of okay this person's the runner and then you need two attackers and two defenders and then we just sort of realized we're just going to let people again play within the sandbox let know that there is the main objective of protecting your runner and trying to get the object but at the same time letting the four players decide, are we going to protect the runner? Are we going to go for the object? Are we going to attack the opponent's runner? And letting players really play around with the ideas within the sandbox that we give them. So what has it been like um, to work on a game uh, primarily about vehicular combat when, like, you know, the landscape has kind of opened up for you all as far as, like, there's not a whole lot of vehicular combat games out there right now. Yeah, it's been, it's a challenge. It really is. Um I th so much of what developers do is look at stuff that's already been created. So, for mm -hmm. instance, if you're trying to make an FPS game, you go and play Call of Duty, you go and play Battlefield, you play Destiny, you play all the big first-person shooters, and you try to take elements of what makes those games really good to help model your elements off of. Um, and then, of course, build off of those ideas as well. And with so little vehicle-based combat games, it's very hard to be like, oh, okay, well, we're going to go look at such and such game to see how they do movement. So mm. instead, our, our approach has always been, well, what are games that we like to play and how can we play off of those? So uh, one of those games, Rocket League was one yeah. of those games where the movement system and the camera of Rocket League are so well done that you as a player are given this ability to not only boost around the map, but physics isn't really a roadblock. It's more yeah. about just mastering the mechanics of the movement itself. And then on top of it, the camera is never an issue. So we were like, how can we take aspects of Rocket League and how they move and how they use their camera, but at the same time, gear it more towards combat? Like, how does Unreal Tournament use uh, their power-ups? Where are they placing their power-ups across the map? How does Destiny use their weapons and weapon feel? So if we can take aspects of those little things and sort of combine them into our own, we're getting sort of the amalgamation of what we've got now. You know, isn't it crazy how how much like physics is playing a part in like game design <laughs> lately? Like, you know, you see Zelda, you know, Tears of the Kingdom mm -hmm. and everyone's mm -hmm. taking advantage of that physics system there and really it's enjoying incredible. it. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It like it, it's also it's also been a bit of a, a pain for us because mm -hmm. initially 
it, it, we had a faux physics system. We had a system that was more about uh, you have an object and then that object casts like a ray and that ray hits another object and that tells the object where it is on the map. And so what would end up happening is if you would try to drive off map, you would just continue driving in a straight line. Oh, wow. But then the ray wouldn't hit anything. So then it would be like, oh, well, now you need to respawn. So when a lot of people were coming and telling us, oh, we hate the movement system. Oh, we don't like the physics that you guys have. We'd go, oh, shoot. Yeah, we actually do need like a full physics system. And so then we had to learn how <laughs> those physics systems work and then apply them to the game that we have now. So what's that been like to get so much feedback from the uh, from like people playing the game? I know that's got to feel like really cool to see people playing the game yes. and also like, you know, a lot of action points to that take yes. off of the feedback there. Yes. And not all of our feedback is always positive, which at yeah. the same time when you're putting thousands of hours of your life into the work, it doesn't always feel that great. But at the end of the day, like that's what helps us make a better game. Um, we got one review in particular that at the time we felt was too serious, considering that we had just released the game, I think had been out for a week and mm -hmm. we released in a pre-alpha state, but they gave us such good feedback that really helped shape the things that we had to do, that it's something that when we sit down and we talk about development, we go back to that and we go, are we meeting the things that this, that this critiquer is putting up? because those critiques are so important to I think how most games function nowadays that if we're not taking advantage of the community feedback that we get then we're just not delivering to well the people man that's amazing it's like you know like it, even from a negative experience it, it, like a, a review that's like more skewed to the negative um like side of things you can get so much like kernels of wisdom and knowledge from that it's really yes. it's really cool how you can evolve off of like positive feedback and negative feedback and you know when you are constructing a game like like this and a, a first game out it's like you know like sometimes like feelings play a process into that it's oh, really yeah. cool how you can like almost deconstruct like deconstruct that a little bit without necessarily having you know feeling like the whole world's crashing around you you know it's it's hard i will mm -hmm. admit um especially given like I said, how how much time has been, how much time and effort has been put into this. But at the end of the day, you know, if you want to make a good game, it, it's those kinds of people that that sort of give you that humbling moment where you go, okay, I I might not necessarily always agree with everything somebody might say, but then there's always sort of a kernel of truth that you can take away and be like, okay, that's something that we can work on and improve. And ultimately, at the end of the day, like our community is everything. Like. This is why we get into making games. Um, we had one streamer that I remember for our mobile game who used to stream our game every day or every Wednesday. And he did it through all 41 races that we had on mobile. And at the end of it, he was crying because he loved the connection that we were able to build together. And it's, it's moments like that where as a developer, you go, okay, this is why I do this. Because this actually, like, this impacts people and the way that people find enjoyment in their free time. So this is for us, it's, a, it's really important to help out the community as much as possible. That's amazing. That's such a touching story as well. Like, uh, so you have uh, the alpha coming soon. Well, mm -hmm. like how excited are you for that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost more of a relief than anything. Cause <laughs> yeah, for sure. it has evolved like, you know, when we first ported over to PC, our goal was to port. And I we kept so many of the original concepts that came from mobile, but PC is not mobile. And because PC is not mobile, you know, you have to adapt your game so that it actually fits the PC landscape and fits the expectations that people have with, with an indie PC game. Um, and so being on this year of, like like almost reborn completely to create a product that like we're playing on our free time and we're getting really excited to see, you know, fleshing out a lot of the concepts and playing around with some really big creative ideas just to see how it will play out. And it's, it's such a relief to then be like, you know what, this is our game. You know, we can show people, oh yeah, when you go to our Steam store, you see this really crazy thing. This is ours. We built this. Oh, so it's amazing. It's really exciting, but at the same time, also really relieving. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. So what is like, what is your favorite aspect about the game? What is, when you tell people about the game, like what, what's, what do you pitch them on? Insanity. Insanity. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we... 
we really took the chains off on this one. We just went for it. And I think that's what makes it so much fun. Um, there was a moment in playtesting the other day uh, where, because it's sort of a Rocket League physics system, um, just for playtesting purposes, we've been running infinite boost so that players can just sort of boost around the map. You don't have to worry about energy consumption. You can just do crazy stuff. And we decided to actually get rid of the barrier for it and just let players boost wherever the heck they want. So there was a moment where I was sort of fighting a bunch of bots and was fighting one of our programmers. And I sort of just flew through the air and shot a portal, went through the portal, ended up behind him, was able to like use this big old nuke thing, nuked him, and then flew off again through the portal to go pick up more power-ups and things. And it was just that loop where I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, there's going to be people who are just going to want to find all the crazy ways that they can sort of approach movement and approach combat, which is exactly what we're looking for. So I'm, I think that's the, the, just the insanity and the chaos of, of everything that's going on is going to make this just absolutely so much fun. That's really cool. Like, um, so what games have you been playing lately? Like what's the, <laughs> yeah, cause I, I wonder, I'm like, you, you're doing a lot, a lot of market research. I'm assuming for this game. I know, I know you're playing rocket league and other things like that. What yes. other games have been playing lately? So, uh, Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> it still got its hooks in you. It is bad. I think when we did the podcast last time, I was at mm-hmm. 400 hours. Had just really starting get, had just really had just starting getting into it, and uh, I just had my Destiny birthday, so I've been playing now for a little over a year, and I'm over 2,000 hours now. So it it absolutely just consumed me. Um. Do you know how crazy that statement is when yes. you're like, I just now started to get into it at 400 hours? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, because it started off, I have a friend who's in the service. And so mm-hmm. he was deployed in the Philippines and he sort of texted me and he was like, I have nothing to do. Will you play something with me on the weekends? I was like, sure. And so naturally, like, we didn't really want to invest in anything because as we all know, as friends group happens, somebody finds a fun game that you invest into and then you play it one weekend and then you never play it again. So (laughs) we, we, we went the free to play route, which was destiny at the time. And so we started off just playing on the weekends and then uh, the itch kept going. And then from there, it's just sort of snowballed. Um, I, I started off as mainly a PVE player, but now I want to say I spend most of my time in the PVP, the PVP world of, uh, the crucible. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's too addicting. The gunplay. Yeah. The, the big, the big thing that I take away from destiny that is just really unmatched is just the combination of the ability based stuff, but the gunplay Bungie has just absolutely mastered the feel of a gun like whether it's the hand cannons the auto rifles the pulse rifles there are so many guns in that game where you might even be like oh i don't know if this is for me and then you pick it up and you go oh my god that feels incredible i'm going to use that all the time um and i've never played a game that has has created such a satisfying loop of like i'm always trying even though i i know i have good items i'm always like oh i want that because i know that's gonna feel great (laughs) (laughs) and it it just feels this addiction collecting mentality it's just it's a it's incredible it's an absolutely incredible game as that's incredible so are you happy with uh the new expansions since we last talked about what was it the what is the new one that Uh, oh lightfall lightfall yeah so Yes and no. I think uh-huh. it, it, it did lots of aspects pretty well. I would say that especially the new ability, the strand ability that they have is fantastic. It's fun to be green Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> but there, I know that there was a big community pushback on the storytelling aspect of it, which I sort of also agreed with. But I also understand Bungie's logic with it. Bungie really wanted, you know, because it is a live service game, they wanted to spread the story out over the four seasons as well as not just the expansion. So with the way that the expansion ends, it doesn't really give you an explanation, but the stories are supposed to, or the seasons are supposed to give you the explanation. So you're supposed to keep playing, keep coming back, keep progressing. So that way you're getting sort of the explanation of, oh, okay, that's what happened there. Um, but I'd say overall, it's been it's been fantastic, especially the PVE side of things has been incredible. And you prefer that over um, the Witch Queen expansion? <sighs> I think I'm more <laughs> nostalgic for Witch Queen only because mm-hmm. that was like that was my first. 
They are understand. <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. So what else is what else has the team been playing together? Have y'all been playing any any like games so, all together? So we haven't been playing all together, but our team is really into strategy and grand strategy games. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are mainly into Company of Heroes. I know the new Company of Heroes that just came out, they're really big fans of. And I, I haven't gotten that one yet, but I will dabble in it eventually. Um, but they also play a lot of Company of Heroes 2 and Stellaris. And I think Stellaris, oh, I Stellaris. is also... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stellaris has also been another really big um, influence for us in terms of how we want to go about sort of creating our universe and our galaxy. So I know they're all big Paradox people, Total War people, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, RTS as well. Yeah, I'm I'm big into civilization myself. Like that's probably the one that's got swooped into me. That's my destiny, if I'm being honest <laughs> with you. Like that's that's the one. If I looked at my Steam page right now, and uh, I'd be like, oof, that's a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours. I I know that um because I you know with this being sort of our our third iteration of Cygnus mm-hmm. Racing League, we've talked about if we did something else, and that those are the kinds of games that we've talked about doing that are sort of that third person style Diablo except in space. So we've played around with those two ideas and uh, my thing is it's all, I think it's almost impossible to knock off what Stellaris has done. They, Mm -hmm. what, what paradox has put together in that game is just, it's incredible. They've tapped into so many different sci-fi fantasy bases and just the way that whole galaxy functions when you're playing in it is just incredible. Yeah, you you're not wrong there, but the Dia- like Space Diablo sounds interesting. If I'm not <laughs> like if I'm being honest, that sounds really fun. See, that one came from uh, my older brother, who's sort of uh-huh. our our lead programmer. He got really into Path of Exile, so he was playing every season of Path of Exile. That was like his thing. He's now since taken a break just because it's consumed far too much of his time, <laughs> in his opinion. But um. Like I, when we were talking about what we'd potentially do next, if we decided that we didn't want to continue doing this racing league, was that specific concept? He's like, "What if we did Path of, Path of Exile, but what if we did it in space?" And it was like, "Ah, okay." <laughs> and especially again, coming from Destiny, it's like, "Okay, mm-hmm. I can play around to be, you know, take my warlock and put it in sort of a Diablo style or Path of Exile style game and really play into." Uh, the space magic sort of approach that'd be really cool like a space fantasy oh that'd be dope that would be really (laughs) cool you you got me hankering for that type of game now if i'm being honest like that sounds right up my alley too and you know like so speaking of diablo have you played diablo 4 i have not yet it's it's on the list Mm -hmm. we're getting there (laughs) yeah i imagine i know you're busy developing games and also with destiny but you know it seems like something that'd be right up your alley as well oh yeah especially Mm -hmm. just given the feedback that it's gotten of course is always going to ping somebody's interest but diablo i mean i played diablo one and diablo two when i was a kid so like that you know, it's part of the nostalgic draw is going back and trying to play it again. But just seeing, uh, I even showed my girlfriend the cutscene because she asked me the other day, she's like, what's this Diablo I keep hearing all about? So I showed her the uh, the intro sequence to Diablo 4, and mm-hmm. she was like, I want to play that. <laughs> so... <Yeah. laughs> Blizzard does such a good job on those cutscenes, man. Oh, my Lord. Phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, they make me want movies like those, like animated yes. movies. Yeah. Yes. Not only, like, the photorealism that they generate in those in those trailers is unbelievable. Like I, my, my jaw was on the floor. Like mm-hmm. it, it's just absolutely incredible. The animation and the, the work that goes into those. Yeah, man, it is, it's phenomenal. So I want to, I want to go back to Sigmus racing yeah. for a second. Now, so you've been working on this for about five years. Like mm-hmm. how you, you talked about wanting to work on some of the, you talked about like troubleshooting some other things amongst the group mm-hmm. and, and, and such like that. Do you feel like you're coming when this alpha release is coming up, you're going to see the reception and then that's going to kind of dictate what like direction you want to go in next? Yes. Yes. Uh, we, especially at this point with this being the, the third times the charm, the mm. third iteration and the confidence that we have in this one, like if this doesn't land, then we, we just feel like that we've done all that we can really do in terms of trying to push this to the max of our abilities as developers. So if we can't get what we want out of it and the community's not getting what they want out of it, then we feel like it's time for us to probably move on to a different product and see if we can find some traction there. Um, 
Because ultimately, at the end of the day, like like I said, like we're spending easily over 40 hours a week, especially between everybody. Like this is a full-time job. So if we're not getting the the financial kickback that we're looking for on it, then then unfortunately we will have to move on to other other uh, other options. But we we feel really good. This is, I think, the first time that I mean, like I said, we've only really had two releases and this being mm -hmm. our third, but this is the first time where we've walked away from it going, okay, that's brilliant. Okay, that's really good. Like there, there's a lot of aspects of this game that we're like, okay, if people don't like this, we would be shocked. Yeah. Like, we, we would be absolutely like, yeah, we would be stunned if, if people didn't find all of the changes that we made to be better changes. <laughs> That's great. It seems like you made a lot of fine tuning, uh, just fine tuning the process, fine tuning the process. And a lot of the thing, like a lot of the great things about life is like, it comes in time, you know, like mm -hmm. we, we get to, it doesn't just happen overnight. We fine tune nope. the process. We get better and better. I'm like, our jump shot didn't come overnight. We have to actually work and <laughs> work and do free throws all the time. So I get oh, it, man. Yeah. It's, so it feels like this is the moment like that that everything's come together that the vision's yes. all there. Yes, mm -hmm. this has been the culmination of literally 5 years of work and I know it feels cheesy to say that especially as game developers say that kind of stuff all the time but <laughs> it it really is. Like this has been 5 years of learning that is put into a single product and um like it's it's a combination of fine tuning but also blowing it all up i mean we built an entirely new infrastructure to build this game um just to meet the pc requirements that we felt was needed um for instance like uh, i see some of the gameplay footage that's happening in the background mm -hmm. you know we used tune shading for that to give it more of a retro cartoon feel whereas this one has like full dynamic lighting um and to implement something like that into an engine requires a lot of rebuilding essentially to try to get those aspects in and that's sort of where the the amount of time that it's taken to get to this point has come from was rebuilding an entire engine from scratch is not easy work <laughs> no it really isn't it really isn't <laughs> so what what are y'all gonna do after the the alpha build are you gonna go out and celebrate or you're gonna be just deep down yep. like watching how everything plays yep. out yep it's nose to it's again it as it always has been it's nose to the grindstone let me just mm -hmm. keep going um, trying to see what players think, what players want, and then trying to build off of that as much as possible, as well as trying to go to game conventions um, yeah. and trying to do as much public outreach as possible, trying to get the word out. Um, again, like we, the the whole reason we became indie developers is not only because we love games, but because we want to make games for people. Um, and indie development really offers the easiest way to do that. You, there is nothing blocking us from talking to our Steam community and helping our Steam community or giving them what they want. Um, if they want more explosions, we can give more explosions. If they want different maps, we can give them different maps. And so that ability to sort of change on the fly is second to none because um, we're, we're in control of the whole thing. Man, that's amazing. That is yeah. really amazing. <laughs> That is really cool. So I want to ask you, you know, like mm -hmm. you've you've been working on this project for a while. What mm -hmm. has been keeping you entertained and sane working on this for five years other than Destiny? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of music, a lot of uh. YouTube. Um, yeah, uh, just trying to find the inspiration too. like I it's hard to work on something for five years and wake up every day and be like, yeah, I'm going to go do this. today. <laughs> so um yeah, I think finding as much inspiration as possible is really important. You know, really buying into, um, you know, like finding stuff that you think is cool and being like, how can I implement something like that into our game? So, you know, for instance, I'm a big Star Wars fan and then I love X-Wings. I think the X-Wing oh, so is... Cool. Right, it's, it's the epitome of cool. And it's this really classic excellent ship design that's based off of you know those muscle cars of the the 60s and 70s mm -hmm. and you know how can i take something like um you know the x-wing and how can i look at that model and go okay what would i do differently how can i pull that into our game how can i make it match our aesthetic how can i not get sued by disney <laughs> um, <laughs> Like these are the like these are the things that like those are the things that keep me motivated. Um, those are the things that keep me coming back and keep me 
sort of going is always asking that question of, okay, how can I do something like that? Or what's an aspect of this that I really, really enjoyed that I want to feature in our game? And then bringing the team together and being like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Um, for instance, the shift away from racing, like we had been for weeks sort of just sort of bashing our head into the wall going, how do we keep the new mechanics from getting watered down but how do we make racing work? And it actually took watching John Wick 4. I love it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It took watching John Wick 4, in particular that third camera Mm -hmm. uh, point of view, where they, I can't remember the name of the game. It's another indie game, and it's going to drive me nuts. But they captured, uh, everybody on the set used to play it. And so that's what ended up becoming that scene was that third person camera view of these shootouts and all the rooms and all the chaos that I was like, I want that. (laughs) (laughs) And I I sat down with our team and I was like, how do we do something like that? And they're like, well, I don't know if with the racing and I went, you know, we've been trying to get the racing to work for five years and we've never been able to get it to work. Let's just get rid of it. And they were like, huh? (laughs) Yeah. It was sort of a moment where it was like, okay, if we get rid of this one aspect, it really opens up a lot for us in terms of how we can really make something fun and unique. Um, and so I think, though, again, asking those questions every day of, you know, how can we do this differently? What's something that we can use to make it different um, that really adds to that, that, that motivation that really keeps you coming back to want to keep doing it? By the way, the game you were thinking about, Hotline Miami. Yeah, yeah that's the Hotline one. Miami, yeah. Because <laughs> I was thinking about it too. I was like, which one was it? It was. Like, I kept thinking. I was like, it's not Hot Shot. And it's like I was right. I was circling around it. I was like, it's Hotline Miami. Yeah. But yeah, I love that man. That is so cool. It's like so you know you hear about it all the time. It's like where people keep trying um it's an idea like circling around an idea and then they make that one pivot and everything sort of just falls into line. It seems like yes. the the removal of racing was y'all's one pivot of like yes. everything sort of fell into line after you just kind of removed that one roadblock there. Yes, and we we really tried to make racing our own and make it a big part of it. Uh, we really felt that. You know, the idea of combining sort of a twisted metal and burnout approach of, oh, you complete laps for points and then you can sort of take out other ships to get points as well. Um, We thought that was something really unique and fun. And we ourselves really enjoyed it. But, you know, people would play it and be like, I don't get the racing part of it. They're like Mm -hmm. the the things that people were gravitating towards was combat. Um, And when it came to the racing part of it, people wanted more objectives. Um, I know that we got a lot of feedback for, you know, this would be cool, but we'd like it to be more team-based. Like we'd like to be able to go into this, like a counter-strike and have an overall objective that we're working towards. And so we were able to find a place for racing there and we're really excited to have people play it. Cause I think it offers a lot in terms of um, a really unique team-based mode. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think our biggest focus has always been combat. And so to be able to really take advantage of creating a combat system that we think feels really unique um, and p- plays really uniquely is is really, really, really exciting. So give everyone the general pitch. Like, what uh, what type of gamer is this game for? This game ultimately is for multiplayer-oriented players, like Mm -hmm. the people that are looking for a classic arena-style shooter with modern-day mechanics. This is exactly that. We're keeping the game mode simple, we're making the map huge, and we're giving people all the tools that they could possibly want to be able to take advantage of both the new physics system and the combat system. And people that are looking to either just slay out or enjoy blowing other people up or griefing or any of those things are always welcome. (laughs) I love the pitch. I love it. I love it. You nailed that one. You nailed that one. So yeah, this is this is really cool, man. It's I love how this started off as something unique and just became something just as unique in a different way. Yeah, it's again to to reflect on five years of work. It is really insane to think about how far it's come and to to think about how we just all used to hang out on like a, a Discord call and just be like, mm-hmm. yeah, we should do this. Or yeah, we should do that. And now to actually see some of those ideas that we came up with five years ago coming to fruition is really, really exciting. 
I, you know, I think I asked you this um, during our original episode, and I want to mm-hmm. ask this again to see if the answer changed after all this time. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like is the biggest lesson you've learned during the development process of this game? Biggest lesson. Ooh. It's a hard question, I know. <laughs> well, because it's got so many layers. I mean, the biggest thing is, I think, patience with ourselves um, and the one. patience to continue to keep going. Um I think especially when things are not going your way and you're seeing sort of the the more negative aspects of something, it's hard to be really patient with it. But at the end of the day, like the work that we're doing is going, like the changes that we made really yielded results that we were looking for. And so that patience in the process to, to keep pushing, to keep trying to find ways to grow is really, really, really the biggest takeaway. And also the just enjoying it, I think, has been the other thing. Um, I think we've gotten, uh, especially with our last, re- with the initial release, we got so caught up in trying to give people what they wanted that we also lost sight of what we wanted ourselves out of our gaming experience. And so coming back around to being like, what's something that I want in this game that I think is fun? And believing in that more has also been really, really, really important. Okay, I like that. I like that. Alec, I got three last questions for you during this yeah. episode. And the first one is, you know, you've you've done such a good job during this podcast. Thank you so much for, for doing this again, man. Always a pleasure to talk to you. But I, my first major question is, mm-hmm. are you ready? Because I, this is a segment you went around for for the first time. We introduced a new segment to the show. It's called a pro nerd trivia portion of the show. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So we have five different questions based on five different categories of nerdiness. Okay. And So the objective is to see if you can get all five correct and enter our pro nerd hall of fame. Since you've been, since you've been on, we've had about 97 guests so far. And out of those 97, we had one person, one person who's gotten all five questions. Correct. Oh, wow. Yes. The the categories are randomized. I have no control over what category (laughs) you get. So, you know, are you ready? I, uh, yeah. All right, let's see. Let's. I like the confidence. <laughs> confidence. <laughs> All right. So our first category is in the realm of Nintendo. Nintendo trivia. Mm-hmm. All right. So this one might be a little tough. Here we go. All right. Which of the following games did Mario creator Shigeru- uh, um Miyamoto not design? Which of the following games did he did he not design? Okay. Donkey Kong, King Icarus, Excite Bike, or The Legend of Zelda? Ooh. Uh, Miyamoto. Which one did Miyamoto not design? Nintendo's not my strong suit. This is gonna be a tough one. Um Yeah, that's that's a hard one. I'm gonna go with a big name just because I feel like I have to. I'm gonna go Zelda. Okay. Which of the following games did Mario creator Miyamoto not design? He's going with Zelda. That is incorrect. The answer is Kid Icarus. Ah, I don't know if I've even heard of Kid Icarus. Yeah, Kid Icarus. Um, let's see. Kid Icarus. I know he's in the um the Super Smash Brothers game. Like Ah, okay. Yeah. He was the the guy with like the wings and such like that, if you've ever mm-hmm. played Smash. Yeah. The okay. wings and the the bow and arrow. But um Moving on, we have our next trivia question is in the realm of Star Wars. Okay. Star Wars. You feeling more confident about this category? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says with a Star Trek background. Oh, man. That's <laughs> a category. We'll see if you get it. We'll see if you get it. All right. So, all right. Which model of aircraft did Luke use to bullseye womp rats? Oh, is that the T-38 Skyhopper? T-16 Skyhopper. T-16 Skyhopper. <laughs> oh, no. So close. Oh. So close. Man, that, that is Hopper. amazing that you got the Skyhopper part correct. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> you're, you're good, like, to get a Skyhopper part? Like, that is insane. Too much Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> that is insane. That's so cool. That's so cool. All right. So our next category is in the realm of Harry Potter. Okay. 
Harry I just Potter. rewatched these with my girlfriend, so I should. Oh! I, I hope I get this. <laughs> I think you're gonna get these. I think you're gonna get these. All right. What was the name of the betrayer who betrayed Harry's um, parents? Oh, oh, it's the nicknames are acceptable in this case too. I, I, I want to. Isn't it the guy who was the cat who then? doesn't morphs <laughs> into the you but i can't remember his name um oh i don't remember <laughs> teacher pettigrew also known ah! as, oh yeah. yeah he was the rat not the, cat, the rat yep yep the rat. <laughs> he was known as wormtail as well ah okay wormtail as well this is a fun one i, I like this one all right so action movies okay action movies all right. What was the name of the co-star? Uh, who was the co-star in Rush Hour with Chris Tucker? Oh, Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan, you are on the board. All <laughs> right, I got board. one. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen Rush Hour forever, man. That's, a, yeah, that's, that's a always classic. a fun movie. Yeah, that's always a fun movie. And the last one is in the realm. Surprisingly, you got it. In Star Trek. Let's go. Yes, go. You're excited about these? <laughs> You could possibly do what, like, one. I think only one person has ever answered a Star Trek like Ooh, question okay. correct. Now like, I feel the pressure. <laughs> it, it's a it's a hard category if you're not. It like is a, a true yeah. Trekker, you know. Oh yeah, there. Uh, I I will admit the original series and Enterprise are not my strong suit, so this is going to be interesting. I'm so curious. I, I don't know anything about this um, question, so I I can't help you with like anything. Naomi Wildman. Uh, appears aboard which starship oh 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 that's voyager that is absolutely correct yeah that's absolutely correct is that on star trek voyager yes yeah okay. she's actually a really prominent well i shouldn't say really prominent character but she has a couple of episodes dedicated to her one of them is a little hard to watch i, I will i will totally own that um, where she befriends uh, sort of storybook characters and they keep going back to the holodeck to the storybook characters. And it's it, it's traditional Trek, but it, it is, yeah. <laughs> so I know I said I had three major questions to ask. You you've yeah. sort of added another one. Like, okay. say you have a newbie like me who's never really watched Star Trek except for mm -hmm. like the latest movies, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. the Chris Pine type movies. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend people get in, you know, like the series that people should check out if they want to get into this? If you're looking for more of the action sense, then mm -hmm. Strange New Worlds is fantastic. And plus, it's it's running now on Paramount+. Plus. Um, but if you're looking for a really good blend of like more modern storytelling and like traditional trek next gen is just it's really unmatched um i of course i'm a big deep space nine fan mm -hmm. um we like to call it trek for adults because it's <laughs> it deals with a lot more heavy issues um and i also find the characters a bit more relatable like uh cisco who's the main captain on that one i don't want to say he hates his job but he's always <laughs> like oh, i have to go do this okay mm -hmm. um but next gen's like the classic. Like okay. Picard is like the paragon of like what humanity should be. So. That, that's amazing. <laughs> so do you like the show Picard? Uh the third season, yes. Okay. The so the first two were rough? The first season grew on me. Okay. Um it 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 tried to be something different, which I understood. The second season I did not enjoy particularly much um i felt like the story was sort of all over the place but the third the third season is just an enormous nostalgia trip um and i think it it's it's definitely a massive fan service season that's trying to give as much back to the fans as possible but it yeah i i would be lying if i said i didn't cry a couple of times from just seeing them all back on Oh, that's amazing. So. That is amazing. You know, only nerds like us will actually like watch a show and say like, oh, the first two seasons weren't that great. But the third <laughs> one, the fourth one, really good. It's like we just stuck through it just through thick and thin because it's our genre, you know? Oh, especially with Star Trek. Like, mm -hmm. I, I cannot emphasize how hard it is to watch the first season of the most <laughs> Star Trek 
uh, most Star Trek series, they mm-hmm. they're usually not the best. Like they're trying to find where the characters fit in, and they're trying to find out how the characters are all gelling with each other. And you just get some episodes. Like Deep Space Nine has an episode called um, I want to say it's Bring It On Home, mm-hmm. and it it involves this like like they're doing mini games to get out of this other realm. And there's one particular part that's become infamous called the Alan Moraine scene where there's this girl singing this rhyme and she's playing a hopscotch and then they all have to play hopscotch. What? (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. It's just not good. (laughs) But like, it's almost like people almost just love it now because of how iconic it has become in terms of this is how you don't do track. (laughs) That's amazing. But yeah, it's... Once once those series find their footing, like Voyager is another really good example of once Voyager really finds its footing, it's just unbelievable. Um, and you just sort of get hooked in and so invested in the characters. And they do such a great job of giving characters that you want to root for and feel invested in. So, yeah, it's all of Trek sort of just seems <laughs> to be that way, except for Lower Decks, which came out of the came out of the gate swinging. Yeah. Yeah, that that's the animated show. That's the the Family Guy like animated show, right? Uh, actually, I think it's more Rick and Morty like. Oh, I, they, you got me interested yeah, now. They, I like they, Rick and Morty. They went. I initially was not a fan of it because I was like, "Oh, Gene Roddenberry wouldn't want this." Mm-hmm. But then, as I watched it more, I was like, "Okay, this is actually really funny." And they pay homage to so many great aspects of Trek that it's like, "Okay, you can tell this was done with a lot of love." Um. And even the original series has the animated stuff where at times you're like, okay, this is a little jokey, but <laughs> like all of, all of the Star Trek animated stuff is just impeccable. Okay. That's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. So I would definitely check on that. In the meanwhile, I got like, we have another tradition on the show where mm-hmm. we ask our guests for a video game recommendation. What game would you like to recommend <laughs> to the audience other than your own? <laughs> Other than Destiny? Um, uh, other than Destiny? <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. It is really bad. I am like a drug pusher for this game. I'm always like, hey, have you tried Destiny? <laughs> you like That's fantasy amazing. aspects? It's got that. <laughs> that is amazing. That is amazing. So yeah. the Destiny for newbies you would recommend. Um, oh. And where do you start out? Like, where do you even start at this point? The pro. So I will admit... The biggest problem with Destiny is beginning because mm-hmm. a, a big criticism and a well-warranted criticism is they don't explain anything. Um, the game is sort of playlist based. So like there are there's the main campaigns and the seasonal story stuff. The, those are the tracks that you can follow. But then there's also like um, like playlist oriented activities. So there's like three really prominent playlist one of them is called the vanguard playlist and that's one where you just do missions um then there's another one called gambit which nobody plays even though i think <laughs> it's kind of fun uh, it, we everybody jokes that there's like three people out of the you know over a million users that play gambit um you make it sound like the elephant graveyard or destiny for the light game where it's like nobody goes there <laughs> nobody goes there i like gambit i think it's fun but it, it sort of combines sort of a pve pvp thing so you you know, your goal is to defeat this big boss and you're sort of in a race to defeat that big boss. And then there's the the multiplayer crucible aspect, which I think even though it might be in its worst state ever in terms of the meta that's going along with it, I think the skill based matchmaking is a lifesaver. OK, um, that's what got me into crucible. I, re- I remember one of my good friends uh, he used to be the number five rumble player in the world at one point, And he's a really, really intense multiplayer uh, guy uh he was like you're gonna fall in love with crucible and i was like oh okay and i went to my first game and had like a kd of like 0.2 or 0.17 uh-huh. i got absolutely stomped and i was like this is horrible i never want to play this again <laughs> and then they introduced skill-based matchmaking which helped players like myself match up against other people who are of my skill and then i was sort of able to build off of that where i was like okay so these are how these mechanics work these are the guns i should be using these are the builds i should be using um so those sort of aspects really help but destiny is a it's a hard game to get into there's a lot of fomo involved 
It I sounds like learning a language, man, <laughs> at this point. Yeah, it is to a degree. Um, it doesn't help that the subclasses all have different verbs. So you do actually have to learn a language to learn the verbs. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, it's in English. So you're mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, I jolt. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, like, you know, the, the subclasses all have their own distinct verbs and learning to build your builds around the verbs and your exotics and everything else. It's... I just I can't think of another game that has mastered the looter shooter realm like that game has, especially when every year we get the here's the new destiny killer and then it doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. We like PlayStation is releasing like 12 live service games over the next four years. And I, I just can't help thinking to myself, I'm like, some of these are going to be dead on delivery just because they can't be Destiny, Fortnite, Apex, and all the other games like that. Live service games, and I say this as a live service game, are mm -hmm. really, really, really hard. Like So it, competitive. It is incredibly competitive, and people like what they like. Like, you know, it's... It's hard to make a battle royale. Like if mm -hmm. you look at battle royales in general, you got things like Fortnite, you have Apex, you have... Um, Oh, PUBG. Yeah. Like to to break into that that market is really, really rough, especially when you have such quality games that are already in there. Um, so finding things that are really unique and stand out, but also have a lot of the same consistent mechanics as, you know, things like Warzone are really, really hard to recreate. That's crazy. It's it's so hard to break into that market share, man. It really oh, yeah. is. Oh yeah. Really Everybody is. wants a slice of the pie, though. Yeah, they do. Like <laughs> as many like trailers as we've been seeing of live service games, it's no doubt everybody wants just a little bit. They're like, if I can get ten percent of that market share, that's considered a huge win for them. At that, especially point. since it seems like Warzone has died down a lot. Oh yeah, um, for sure. I I remember uh, when I would scroll through social media, going through like hashtag video games of both Twitter mm -hmm. and Instagram, just trying to interact with people. It seemed like every other post was Warzone, where it's like now I get on there and I'm like, you might see one or two Call of Duty posts, like maybe every couple of hours, but for the most part, it has really died off in terms of the hype that was around it. Man, I think that no of, build mode on Fortnite kind of like that that I feel like that's mm -hmm. where that that kind of like momentum just stalled for um Warzone. Yes. Yes. Which I I think was absolutely brilliant. I mean, they mm -hmm. took I mean, even though that was sort of the thing that made Fortnite really unique was the whole building aspect of it. Taking that away and stripping it down to again to something so bare bones and simple, I think is exactly what people wanted. Uh, it it allowed for so much room under and over uh, to sort of compress the the player base so much that it gave some, but it gave something new, which I think was really, really important for Fortnite. It's crazy. Simplicity is like what a lot of people just want nowadays. It's like we have so such a lot of these games where that integrate is like intricate as hell, but like a lot of people just crave simplicity and get me in, get yes. me like, get me to the gameplay and let me go about my business, you know? Yes. Yes. Which, I mean, that's something that we've tried to play off of. Again, it's like mm -hmm. returning to something as simple as Unreal Tournament, where, you know, I don't, I never really felt like Unreal Tournament couldn't be picked up and played by anybody at any point. Um, obviously, there are definitely skill gaps in FPS yeah. games, but, you know, explaining the mechanics of Unreal Tournament to your average player is, oh, this is, this is free for all. Just, just shoot everything that moves. Oh, you can pick up some stuff like that. That was so easy for a lot of players to just pick up and play that that's those are the kinds of things that we were like, OK, how do we build off that? Yeah, you can get that game in like 10 minutes and, and yes. really feel like you're understanding all the mechanics of that yes. game. You know, yes, exactly. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, my second question for you is, mm -hmm. Alec. Where can people find you and where can people get updates on the game? So you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram. We post daily uh, at Cygnus Studios LLC. You'll see all of our development posts, um, all of the stuff that we were working on. Uh, I know recently we were really excited to show off the new skyboxes that we were shooting, um, which that the skyboxes were fun to shoot because they took three hours to render in total. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so you can find us there or you can find us on Steam under Cygnus Racing League. Uh, we just had a big blog post come out today that was talking about 
um, sort of everything that we were sort of talking about today as well, of all the changes that we decided to make, all of the big things that we wanted to do, and include sort of a screenshot of some of the new updated graphics. Um, and we should be dropping a new trailer there soon, as well as all the gameplay and our release date. Yeah, man, that's so exciting. Everyone check out all the, the links to all those will be in the description of this episode. So definitely just scroll down and click on those. Go check these guys out. They're absolutely killing it, doing really good work, working very hard on a really cool project. So definitely go support them there. You know, um, but my last question for you, Alec, mm -hmm. is very simple. You know, outside of Destiny, outside of game development, you spend a lot of time doing a, just living the good life out here. You <laughs> live in the good life. I got to ask you, though, what is your favorite snack to eat while you're developing a video game? <laughs> uh, well, I'm a goldfish hound. So what? Uh, a yes. goldfish person? Yes. I yeah, never yeah. would have guessed. Um, it's, well, goldfish and Ritz crackers are mm -hmm. anything salty and crunchy. I'm like, OK, give me. Um, <laughs> it got to the point where I have uh, I have a really good friend. Uh, who also loves goldfish. And so I, I would just text him in our little group chat just to mess with our, our other friends who wouldn't get it. I'd be like, time for shots. And so <laughs> he and I would just go out and he'd go pour some goldfish in his hand. I'd set up a picture of the goldfish in mine. We'd just do shots of goldfish. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. I've had goldfish since I was a kid, man. They still make them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. it's bad. It's so easy to eat like half a carton of goldfish. And you're like, what the heck happened? <laughs> I remember like goldfish and tetagrams were like what everyone used to eat back in the day. Yep. It, it was both of those. Man, that's that's so cool. Like, so you have to kind of watch out for all the the goldfish crumbs basically <laughs> while you're making the game. Yeah, I, I just got I'm now a true gamer kid. I have my RGB mouse pad oh, that goes around fancy. my whole desk and I I do notice crumbs on there occasionally. I'm like, oh, damn it. And I'm like having to push them off. And you know, you're sitting there looking at your RGB mouse mm -hmm. and your RGB keyboard, and you're like, oh, I don't want to wreck these. <laughs> oh, so fancy. Um, You know, I, I thought of just one last question. Yeah. And, you know, this is something like I'm probably – I, I get like a lot of feedback from episodes, and they always add – like I always forget to ask, is this game like playable on the Steam Deck? And because people always want to know that that type of thing for some I don't reason. No, that's actually a good question. I don't yeah. think we've thought about the Steam Deck. We'll have to look into it. I mean, in an ideal world, I would say so. I'd mm -hmm. be surprised if it wasn't. We'd have to learn to map the controls to the Steam Deck, which we might maybe Steam can send us a Steam Deck. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, we want it to work on every possible platform that steam can run on so yeah. i would say that's something that we will definitely look out to make sure that we can get that working on steam deck because yeah that's steam deck is incredible the stuff mm -hmm. that you can do on that for such a low entry price i was telling somebody recently uh who was a console player who was looking for a way to sort of transition to uh pc games and i was like get a steam deck yeah, because uh, you're still able to plug a Steam Deck into, I believe, mouse and keyboard from what I've heard. You can. Mm -hmm. um, so and if that's not working, it, it's got a, it's got a controller deck. So to be able to switch between both, um, especially at such a low entry price when, you know, desktops and laptops are so expensive right now, um, like to be able to have access to that GPU system is incredible. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, the barrier to entry is just so low for it. Like, yeah. that's unbelievably low. I mean, sure, you're not running everything at ultra high settings, like, but like, honestly, do you need to? Like, a lot of these <laughs> things, you don't really need to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. I was, I've been meaning to read an article, but there was an article that came out today that was talking about how consoles are looking at it, like moving towards uh, 30 FPS as standard. And at first, I was like, oh, people aren't going to go for that. But I was like, Honestly, with how much quality has improved over the years in terms of graphics and how games are running, I wouldn't be surprised if that is sort of the standard from now on, where they're like, hey, if we can get this running at 30 FPS and get it running consistently, um, then console players might actually enjoy that better. Because just, just having the consistency between games and knowing that it's all going to function the same, I think would be awesome. 
you know, I it's it's almost surprising to me that it's not already just like consistently 30 FPS across the board, especially on next gen consoles like PS5 and Xbox Series <laughs> X and X. Like, I mean, we just bought like big investment consoles. I'm like, it could at least be the standard across the board. But you kind of right there. I think for the right games, people don't care whether or not it's 60 or yeah. 30. I mean, shooters, I think, you know, like for a lot of people will want that to be 60. But for the most part, I'm like. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom came out at 30 FPS and no one complained. Like, absolutely yes. nobody complained. Yes. Garfield I, is the same way. I'm thinking it's announced as uh, 30 FPS. Mm-hmm. No one's really complaining about it. Yeah, it, it reminds me of... Uh, actually, here's a Star Wars trivia point for you. Okay. Um, so, Mark Hamill... Do you remember in, uh, in A New Hope, uh, the trash compactor scene? Mm-hmm. So, if you rewatch the movie, you might notice as soon as they get out of the trash compactor, they're all sort of clean. They're, like, toweling off. Cause yeah. They, they just didn't either they didn't have the budget to do like actual trash for that or, <laughs> yeah, or like or actual trash. And so Mark Hamill was talking to George Lucas and he was telling George Lucas, oh, I, I got to be covered in trash. Like you have to have a way to make, you know, for continuity's sake. And you this is how this has to be. And Harrison Ford just turns to him and goes, hey, kid, if they're noticing the trash on you, we're screwed. and it's sort of the same thing with with zelda it's like if you're noticing that it's running at 30 fps then it's done for but like if everything else has kept you so engrossed like all of the building and mechanics that are going on with that and seeing all the zany things that people are building with mechas and trains and chicken factories (laughs) like that's the draw to that game as opposed to oh it's running at 30 fps yeah um and uh, Minecraft is another great example. Like uh, people, people don't notice the simplicity of Minecraft because they're so engrossed in the sandbox that they've been given and the exploration that they can pursue and all the building that they can do. I, mind you, Microsoft has now added that you know ray tracing thing, and it looks mm-hmm. incredible. But like that's almost part of the draw for Minecraft is that it's so visually simple that it just yeah. plays into how beautiful that game is. Yeah, it's 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 simplistic in its own right, you know, Mm -hmm. like and I love it. Love the art style of it. I've never actually played Minecraft, but I love like watching videos of it. You know, I I never played it. Like, got to do it. You got to do it. I'll I'll check it out. You know, the the closest I've come is that I think they had the the new one, Minecraft Legends, um, mm-hmm. on and it's on Game Pass. I'm like, I have no excuse not to play it. I just never have. I, I'm almost like you with Destiny, to where I'm like, I'm always hooked on like three games, so to speak. And when I'm not playing those three games, I'm cycling in three other oh, new 100%. games on top of that. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it it took. Oh gosh, when did I start playing FIFA? Because FIFA was the game oh, before yeah. Destiny, Hooked. like. <laughs> I, I that with each FIFA title, it was easily a thousand hours. Yeah. Um, and it, Destiny broke that chain. But I mean, I started playing FIFA consistently in like 2015. So it was <laughs> like for for a game to come in there and break that mold of being something that I could really dig my teeth into was really it's rare. So I yeah. totally get it. Um, and it's so especially with how many incredible games come out oh this year alone man right alone yeah like jedi survivor came out and i adored jedi fallen order and i Mm -hmm. haven't even touched it yet and oh it's so good it is so good and that's what i've heard i i've already had the spoiler of the boba fett thing oh no No. but like everything that i've seen from it it's like the the fluidity of that combat somehow got even more fluid which Mm -hmm. is just mind-boggling to me and then of course you have diablo and you got starfield coming out and that looks incredible final fantasy 16 for all the people who want to play that yeah Mm -hmm. it's like it's just the the sheer number of incredible games that are out right now it's it's really a delight to be a gamer i i said this during the previous episode but i think this year is going to go down as the best year of video game history like i i think based on pound for pound every game we're getting like you got Metroid. Metroid Prime Remastered mm-hmm. came out this year. You also had mm-hmm. Dead Space. You also had like um, RE4 came out this mm-hmm. year. You had Hi-Fi Rush. I'm like, mm-hmm. those were the first three butts, and they were going with the next three butts. You had Tears <laughs> of the Kingdom, which a lot of people call generational game. I'm yeah. like, yeah. I'm like, you have Starfield still. You have Spider-Man comes out this year. Like yeah, Spider-Man 2. I'm Spider-Man like, 2. Yes. I'm like, this year <laughs> is insane. I don't remember any like year coming close to like, uh, this clip of back-to-back sensational yeah. games you know it, 
it's definitely been a while since we've seen like i remember last year was really good when we had what mm-hmm. was elden ring and i can't remember. rise of forbidden west and Thank god you. of war uh-huh. yes yeah. the, like those three in a row i was like okay this year's this year's packing but then when these games started dropping this year you know you're always like surfing metacritic and then you just yeah. keep seeing such high scores you're like okay yeah <laughs> we're not missing this year are we no no which yeah. it's so nice to see like mm-hmm. especially when you go from things like cyberpunk or yeah like to to go from those games and how messy those releases were to seeing something that you can get really hyped over and seeing it come out in such a good state really 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 is reassuring yeah for sure for sure Especially considering everyone's paying like $70 nowadays for these these games. I'm like, you want to see it in a polished state at this oh, point. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I mean, what, for Lightfall, I forked out $100? So <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't surprise me at all. Well, you know, they get you with the season pass and the dungeon pass mm-hmm. and everything else in between. And you're like, I'm going to play it anyway. So I guess I'll fork it out now. <laughs> so speaking of playing games, you can also play Cygnus Racing League currently on Steam. It is The link is in the description of this episode. It Right now, it is free to play. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Correct. And it will it will remain free to play for a little bit longer before the, before the release. So if you're going to pick it up. Now's the time to do it. Yeah, now's the time to do it. No, no, no. Wait, wait, man. Wait, everybody. Just no. wait a couple of days. <laughs> Alec, man, it's been amazing talking to you, man. Thank you for again for being on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me back. I mean, as I said, like ever since the last time, it, it was just so much fun that I was like, I need to go back. I want to go back. Dude, you're welcome all the time. I'd love to have you back anytime you're available. So thank you again for being on the show. Everyone go check out this game. It is absolutely fun. It's amazing. These people are amazing. And they're working really hard to give you a premium experience. So definitely go check them out. Again, all the links will be in the description of this episode. So definitely stay tuned to that. Uh, You can also hit me up for any questions that you want to throw Alec and the single player experience discord server. You can go there, send me everything you want to ask them. And that way you don't have to bombard the man. (laughs) You don't have to bombard the man or anything like that. He'll be back on the podcast. We can ask him those questions or I can just send him his way and he can give me a response. But everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I've been Sebastian. That's been Alec. This has been the single player experience podcast and we're out bye everyone hey thank you so much for watching the video if you like the video hit that like button also for more videos just like this one go ahead and hit that subscribe button right here thanks again for watching the video and for more like it stay right here at the pro nerd report channel so that's a wrap for today's episode thank you so much for watching the video if you like the video don't forget to hit that like button also hit the subscribe button for more videos just like this one i also want to let you know about the single player experience discord server it's a perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games that they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers the link to join will be in the description Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good single player games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game you think should be recommended and should be reviewed, let me know about it right there. Before we go, I just want to thank you once again for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace. So that's a wrap for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to Alec Tob from Cygnus Studios for being on the show today. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the Single Player Experience Discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!